Hello, and welcome to this latest episode of the Miramichi Historical Linkages Podcast. I'm Sean McCarthy, joined uh, by Sarah Ward and by our special guest, Miga Mahan, uh, the, uh, from Eskinovidich, a clan mother, an advocate that uh, involved with the Urban Aboriginal Knowledge Network at UNB and the Nolan Residence at St. Thomas University. Miga Mahan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for, for, for joining us. We're really excited uh, to speak with you. Um, so th- what we've done here with this podcast over the last number of episodes is talk to uh, folks from Miramichi who have gone out and, you know, make connections and who know about uh, how Miramichi has, has influenced uh, other parts of the province, the country, the world, and how... Uh, uh, the world has also influenced us as well. So uh, we know that you've done uh, a great many things. Um, and I was, uh, I'd be interested, like I say, and I'm sure many of our, our, our listeners and our viewers too would be interested in hearing uh, your story. Mm-hmm. It's nice, nice to know, and I'm glad to share. Great all together. Um, in, in kind of preparing for this, I read an article uh, that was done uh, by the St. Thomas student newspaper at the time when you were uh, brought on as elder in residence. And it said in that article uh, that you got your start in advocacy uh, in grade seven. Uh, and so I'd be interested, uh, maybe, uh, would, would you be able to share that story with us? Uh, sure. So um, I want to say, I want to first acknowledge uh, in my mother tongue, uh, the gratitude of today and uh, why uh, why it's so important that we do that and uh, uh, it's part of our worldview uh, and our history. So, Chigisuk, Miwedem Giskuk, Dandaligan Muyak Mimajuahan, Dandaligan Kuyak, Dandaligan Muyak Mogignodi, Nastuodi, Akiskuk. um ankor de midip kidnu mahamigyo tante set me majuahan usit khamon kijinu so ya kelok tan agiskuk sera holavin tanteli bibanimin ashan gegi ai tanteli makobutik ya so chitnige a dubai so, in my mother tongue, I um, offered gratitude uh, to the life, to the life source, uh, to uh, life creation of all creations. 
uh, Thanksgiving and um, for the gift of our lives and a gift of relations uh, among all living uh, creatures and plant world and uh, all that had uh, given their life to sustain us and that we uphold our sacred responsibilities uh, to our relations. Uh, when I talk about our relations, I'm speaking much more uh, broader than the human relationships, but the original teachers of our ancestors, which is the, uh, which is, we're all part of that great circle, that sacred life on our sacred mother earth. So we regard all life on her as our original teachers, which is the tree, the plant world, the animal world, the water world, the sky world, and and so much more. So, and we think, and then offering thanksgiving to the source of life and to all our ancestors for providing. Uh, that guidance all through all our lives and for um, uh, upholding their responsibility, which is now we're the beneficiaries of it. Uh, you know, it's only been 500 years that we all couldn't even imagine that uh, the waterways were just flourishing with life, uh, that in the forest world, life was just flourishing and in the plant world and in the sky world. So this is the gift that's been gifted to all of us by, uh, by the ancestors that upheld those original sacred uh, teachings. You know, so uh, that is always first and foremost in any given situation when you see powwows or when you see uh, events going on and uh, indigenous folks come up and offer like, and this is what the the spirit of our uh, opening opening remarks is to ground us, uh, ground ourselves to the land that we are on, uh, and to remind us uh, of all that is around us is the reason why we're still here, enjoying the life experience because someone had to give their life for us. And so those are uh, very important treaty relationships that we have had, our original ones we had had and made with all life on our, on our sacred mother earth. And so um, as all humanity of the world. So my uh, um, opening for this conversation. Thank you for your patience. Oh no, I, I I thank you, and I apologize for for not you know for, for 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 forgetting that in the moment, and maybe kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit. And I thank you for your patience and your kindness this in in reminding me of that. So uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, you were asking a question. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, when I uh, when I was kind of uh, preparing for this uh, this talk, uh, I read it. I read an article. I think it was in two thousand and twelve, oh, yes. uh, from 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 Saint Thomas, and talked again about uh, the uh, 
you know, your, your background and, and again, how you kind of started your advocacy um, when you were in grade school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, so uh, I guess maybe that's a, uh, that's a nice kind of stepping off point uh, to maybe kind of talking about uh, your, your work uh, from that time onward. Oh, sure. Yes. Uh, I have forgotten about that. Uh, and I was uh, reminded uh, uh, in uh, when I was 19 years old by a, a, a cousin whose name is Fenton Somerville, uh, when the young people of that time, uh, when I turned of age to be able to be to vote in the Indian Act elections, I, w- I was voted in as a um, counselor under that regime. And so um, uh, my cousin Fenton reminded me that uh, there, he said that uh, that he supported uh, me and that many have about at that age. And uh, I think it was understood that we were majority voters at that time when I became of age as well. So I was invited to run by the uh, current uh, chief and council to bring on the younger voters. And so uh, I came in um, and Fenton came over and reminded me and he said, of course you would be uh, uh, running for others. He said, you've always uh, stood for uh, the best interests of our community and best, you know, and uh, justice for all. and." And uh, and he reflected back when we were in uh, uh, grade seven. I was in grade seven. He was in grade six uh, with my um, with my brother Leo. And so uh, there was a lot of uh, we were uh, teenagers, you know, coming uh, into adolescent years, and uh, we were pretty rambunctious and exerting our own rights and uh, the conversations at the home front and and so on and. Uh, and the the stories it was uh, so we needed to do something and uh, the mistreatment actually uh, on the students by certain uh, teachers uh, those uh, uh, the violations that was uh, happening at the at that time uh, in our school in Burn Church and so. Uh, uh, I, you know, I suggested that maybe we need to, when that when that teacher comes in, uh, maybe we all need to just get up and walk out. And so, and they'll ask us because no one was asking us and they weren't listening to us and uh, uh, with the complaints that we were uh, bringing forth. So uh, sure enough, uh, when uh, that happened, when the teacher came in and, uh, uh, there were all lies around me, and so I had to get up. And uh, and once I get up, uh, a handful of students got up with me, and we were at, we walked out. And some eventually trickled down because you know uh, uh, the environment and uh, was uh, questionable, and you know people were accust- the students were accustomed to the uh, hostile environment. So yeah and it was a scary step to do and we did it and uh, of course at the end uh i was uh uh what's that uh you know when i was uh when they found out that 
I was the first one to get up to start the uh, the march walkout. Uh, I was suspended, and so um, uh, then we went to that next level. We were gonna not go to school. Some was able to go through with it, but that's how it started. Uh, grade mm-hmm. grade seven. Yeah. We had a really wonderful home homeroom teacher, but it was the um, the subjects uh, that uh, it, some of the teachers were different, and we just uh, it was overwhelming to endure one a uh, couple of the teachers. Yeah. So that's was this my, during, uh, first was this first during, uh, Indian Day School? Yes, yes. So was it just like Indian Day School? Yeah, and uh, yes, it was. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's a whole uh, series of stuff before one, when an oppressed person stands up, you can you can rest assured they're at the end of their rope. And this was our end of our rope too. You know, we had to do something because we there was like great. This is our conversations at the time. There's our younger brothers, sisters who are in grade six, five, four, and so. You know, they were come. They were going to be. They were dealing with the same, similar stuff at the time too. So, so yeah, so that I, was um, a lot of stories. First, uh, braver act. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And and prior to that, um, uh, you know, a lot of the children were uh, uh, called the sixty scoop. You know, so we were. A lot of us got caught in that scoop and. Uh, we were caught in that too and uh, put in placement for uh, two years. And uh, we it's very interesting because uh, uh, for us, we were really fortunate that uh, we didn't uh, get locked away from our uh, locked in those systems. That program, 60 School program, um, uh, we were located and placed in a very rural, small home uh, of uh, four adults living in this uh, um, three-bedroom uh, little uh, bungalow, uh, and we were put there, uh, my sisters and I, five, four of us. And so um, uh, what happened was uh, uh, one of the uh, trappers in the community uh, decided to take the another route. Usually he could have gone through a shortcut to his traps, uh, this going up from Burntridge to Tabas and Tack, and he decided, his name is Amos, Amos Joe, and uh, he decided to take the long way. Uh, and when he did that, he seen uh, uh, this little, uh, three little Indian girls playing out on the way in the back uh, of the house in the field. and. So he stopped until he was noticed. And so my three sisters, younger sisters, ran over to go see, thinking that he was, uh, here's this um, thin, dark uh, person, a man, standing at the driveway. Of course, it has to be our father. So uh, they ran to him until they, uh, so he asked them who they were and so they who your mother is and they said who my mom was and so they came running in uh, running back to me um to tell me that uh, dad is out there and it it was like we were like we were kind of like little uh, farm animals that we were treated the same way as the farm animals and 
uh, and the cats. Uh, so we would be housed. We have breakfast. We have to go out. This is for the summer, uh, and stay out till uh, till noon, and then uh, be fed and go back out again, all along with the other uh, critters of the uh, the house. And so, and then uh, come in for supper, have supper, and go to uh, get ready, wash up, and everything, and go upstairs to bed. And so we were like that, and. Um, it didn't matter what kind of weather. So I was in the back of uh, standing up against the back of the woodshed, up against a tar paper covering to keep myself warm again uh, towards the sun. And when my sisters ran around to go and tell me daddy's up there, I started walking out there and I recognized he was native man for sure and someone from our fam uh, community and family was just wanting the same. Um, so uh, I found out it, well, he wasn't my father, and but he did uh, uh, wanted to know um, uh, who we all were, and I confirmed with uh, what was shared that my father, who my father was, and my mother, and so he kept going, and uh, it was uh, about a month or two later, probably because they have to walk; it's 20, 20 minutes a uh, drive. And so walking, I had to go check his trap. So he, he probably was there for a couple of weeks and then make his way back to the community. And at that time, a car arrived uh, about a month after. And it was my mother and she came to steal us back <laughs> she, and uh, took off with us. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was already tragic, you know, that we were pulled away from uh, my grandfather was... Uh, we were at our grandfather's visit, and then my mom was in Mamushi. Uh, her sister was uh, married to a man from Mamushi. So she was in Mamushi, and then when she uh, learned that we, we were apprehended by uh, child Indian, Indian um, agents, uh, that uh, when she came back, uh, we were. She she had no knowledge of where we were because they wouldn't get that information when children were taken. So it was sheer luck that that uh, that man came through and uh, Amos seen us and then gave that information to my mother and then she came for us. It was it was a horrific experience. Uh, a few days after because the, it was like someone <laughs> there was a major major up rise because of the way we were the uh the rcmp and uh, uh the church and the uh, agency that came to get us early in the morning totally ripped uh, all the children out of the bed from my mom i managed to crawl out the um the window uh, upstairs and uh over the porch roof and then jumped off that there and I was 10 years old and I ran into the woods and I just um, hid in the woods. Uh, they had to go find me. I just, there was no way I was going back there, but my three sisters went back and yeah, so that's, that was uh, while, while we were there, um, I had to, I, I had to stop uh, from the broom beating that my sisters were getting and 
to stand up against that was in, was it really um, uh, co courageous for a little girl to do uh, to adults, especially to white adults, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't going to share this story. <laughs> How things come forward. I guess it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. So I've been a strong advocate um, in um, language uh, now in my older years and at uh, first culture. Uh, the very first time I heard about our culture, because I grew up thinking, believing in what was written about us uh, in the mainstream education and the history books. And, uh, and I didn't read the history books. It was what was told to me by our, our older students or older cousins and what was being taught. And, uh, and of course, cartoons and the portrayal. Um, but my first experience in cult, uh, our history and culture was by a wonderful elder by the name of uh, Newell Knockwood. He's no longer alive. And I, at the Cody Institute uh, in uh, St. FX in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. And uh, I went there and uh, it, he came in and uh, it was a all... In, uh, indigenous uh, training program, training us, of course, to be uh, uh, alcohol and drug counselors. Uh, so we were being all groomed to uh, deal with the, the problem at hand, which is really, really, um, it's, not a, it's not a cultural thing, it's a created uh, environment that, uh, created system that, uh, uh, Created that situation. So I was my first time, I was 19 years old. I had experience, I, he had a, he did a pipe ceremony and he spoke to us in the language and said that we are not what they have, what we've been led to believe. So that we have our own, own way of communicating with our ancestors as a, to the spirit world. We have our own way of worship. We always have, our ancestors always have had. We have a way of knowing, our, we know uh, our homeland, uh, what they would understand as geography. We know about our ancestry, our, um, our stories, this is history. And we, can, uh, we know about mathematics much more in an expansive way. And he said that this is, math that they are teaching us, but we know much more than that, uh, what our language is teaching us. And I couldn't believe I had, I had a spiritual awakening and I, uh, that turned my life around, you know, and uh, that's been my first building, uh, my first building block towards what I wanted to help create, recreate or re uh, return to our communities, and that was our cultural worldview, our history, and the truth of who we are as a people, and so on. So that's been my life's work, and um, um, and spirituality. And then, with the, uh, in regards to the language, uh, what the question, the research was why. Uh, was our languages outlawed? Uh, 
you know, and and uh, so you know this is the the that in the timeline how our languages was outlawed by uh, the ones who arrived on our shores. The con this is about the uh, colonization in action. So it was displacing uh, women. Uh, uh, our grandparents, and then removing children, and then um, uh, outlawing people. You know, we were forbidden to speak in our mother tongue. And then what was happening was the missionaries and the uh, the scholars of that time went and recorded our language. Uh, and they did not want to hear from the women because the thinking that arrived on our shore did not regard women. Women did not have a uh, a voice, or you know they had uh, they were uh, uh, cattle to the ones that arrived on our shores. Cattle had more uh, worth than the women, and women were only looked at as reproductive uh, uh, entities or. They were even one. There was even a question if they had souls or if there were spirits, or I mean, if they had spirits, uh, based on the timeline. So, uh, okay, five more minutes. So, um, so what happened is that our languages were recorded, uh, documented, sterilized. When I say sterilized, they were the spirit and the women were removed from that the language. So what was given back by way of dictionaries was um, uh, colonial view, colonial definitions, and Christian definitions. So therefore, our um, sacred words became demonized. The women, uh, the way of understanding women and uh, women's roles were uh, uh, discredited, devalued, and so on. So. In my upbringing, we still had some, um, the language is multidimensional. It's really, um, um, it, it, there's no derogatory words in our languages, even though we've been led to believe by way of the dictionary that we were already warring tribes. And that because we have words like Madnapyawinu and Smaginis, meaning the soldier and the warrior, but that's not our definition. So in the uh, reclamation of our language and rematriating the language were now going deeper into the truth of of our ancestors, our worldview, and of course, how could the ones who arrived who were documenting this could comprehend what our language was truly saying? I think now Western science, the out of the box thinkers who are working with indigenous people across the lands from North, Central, and South America are getting it because now we have new words, Western words, science words like epigenetics, and um, all, of, all of that uh, that's come. Now there's a true um, understanding of what those ancient words and what our words are, language is about, because now they're making those kind of connections. Uh, anyway, I had a five minutes uh, notice, so but I just want to uh, share that because I think time is of so importance for humanity at uh, for us to relook really at our ancient 
languages. It's not just indigenous in the Western Hemisphere. It's global. The ancestral languages are our key to um, to raising our uh, awareness and of our trueness of, uh, as human beings. So um, all the heritage, ancient um, um, cultures of the world have, we all come from the same source. We all come from our sacred mother earth and all the life and all, all of these ancient systems had something and so that's what I feel that when we, we need to be returning to replenish and, and gift our future seven generations what our ancestors gave us, you know, plentiful uh, abundance of love and uh, life. I guess that's all in one breath, <laughs> shared it all in one uh, breath. I can come up for yeah. air now. <laughs> Thank you. I, I can truly listening. relate to what you're saying because I've been I've been even looking at my language, right? And mm -hmm. I'm looking at some of the biblical scripts and some of the hymn songs, and I'm looking. I'm thinking like I look at the stories of my ancestors and my grandparents and stuff. The story they talk about, they tell us that we're living the life we're living we're living now is like uh, paradise. It's heaven. Enjoy it embrace it. life is good you know and then you look at the biblical script that they translated into our language it is so sad and depressing it's almost like uh some of the the hymn songs i i that are translated i listen to it and i'm thinking like we have to suffer in order to find heaven now why can't we just embrace life now and be happy and be appreciative mm -hmm. of what we have but I, I can relate to what you're saying, like, you know, when, when it comes to our language, the importance of our language and how it translates to our outlook of life every day. Mm -hmm. And how we embrace, yes. you know, certain changes in our life. Yeah. So I yes. really appreciate your message. And, and thank you, Sarah, for inviting me and everyone here. We, we can talk so I, I met Megan she was one of the first person I met uh, after moving here and it's kind of like we're family I'm a different parents mm -hmm. but we're family yeah. we're sisters <laughs> so so we, mm -hmm. we connect with a lot of uh, sisters on the man machine so we kind of like when we want to debrief we get together and we say what we want to say <laughs> and we're comfortable uh -huh. to say it and to leave it there yeah. you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I was uh, very uh, happy to uh, join, you know, when you um, uh, uh, connected with me, Sarah. And, you know, and these are the, um, uh, our, uh, these, and I think humanity, but when we're, I can only speak with, uh, from our indigenous uh, um, way of being, our protocols, and this is also uh, as you described, you know, this is our, uh, our culture is founded on uh, relations and so, and upholding relations. Materialism is not uh, the focus, but relations, relationships and you know, mm -hmm. celebrating life and friendships. And so, yeah. and 
and and peace because that's uh, that's the key. Understanding peace is, you know, and we don't have our language is not noun based, so it's more verb based. Yeah. So it's all about behavior and action and all of that, uh, rather than uh, you know, uh, it's a living life. It's a living culture rather a noun base mm-hmm. because if it's a noun base then things are stagnant. Once it's written, it's locked in and it's one person's perspective. But the cultural languages is a collective perspective and it's beyond uh, it's expand, uh, yes, and it's expand in not just to humanity but our language and our relationship and communication with the non uh, human world, our relationship to the trees and and beyond the parameters of um, this dimensional life, but extended to the non um, life, the non physical life that we cannot see our ancestors by way. And now, like the the languages is teaching us that there is a communion. Uh, constant communion with the unseen world based on the our the language as we rematriated that it's so multi-dimensional and it's just so expansive beyond what um our uh non-native uh relatives or our friends think what uh so that was contained when the, our languages were outlawed because our languages hold our worldview, our culture, and our identity. And so we were severed from the origin. That's how it, That's how people are um, displaced and con- disconnected from our relationship to the trees and, and so on. So living in harmony with all life. So you don't destroy family, you know, because you need to, you need to increase your livelihood or you know, expand uh, uh, a material wealth, you know, and so those relationships, we still have kinship names and terms when we talk about spruce, you know, cedar, uh, beaver. These are all kinship family names uh, in our language. So that's what our ancient languages all hold. It's not just, it's for everyone, like from the European to uh, you know, the Asian, the Arab, the Africa, you know, indigenous nations of the world. It's a big recommendation for, um, and I suggest and recommend folks to really research your heritages, because we all have different heritages. Mine isn't just Mi'kmaq, you know, so it's a wonderful gift to you, a path to create for our younger generations. Uh, they will design and uh, co-create a world that will we all dreamt about and our ancestors dreamt about for us. So, I think Andrew has given me a final uh, signal, so I think I'll end my uh, <laughs> I'll end myself here. I'll stop right here. I think it's Thank a wonderful message, much, uh, yeah. Mahan for yeah, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Uh, for the work that you're doing, and again, for the inspiration that you provide uh, to uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous people alike, and for your challenge to all of us to to reconnect um, in meaningful ways. 
so these are great lessons to carry forward. And we thank you again for sharing them uh, with us today and for joining us uh, and taking some time. Okay, thank you. Namulta, Sarah. Yeah. Lalin. Lalin.